Mr. Pop. We did so much drugs, I haven't slept for five days. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Oh, the red light Eddie. is on, which means we're recording. Uh, when the red light comes on, we're recording. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rock and Roll. I'm Kevin Hillier. The tattooed man is with us again, the illustrated man, Mark Fine, with all his finery and bits and pieces going on there. Hello, Finey. Hello. Interesting you should bring that up because tomorrow I've got a big session booked in. Which part of your anatomy? Uh, I'm completing my dragon, which is on my chest, my shoulder and my arm. Whoa. Big day. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's a three parter. I've got I've done the two parts, part three coming up. Whoa. Massive now, session. A man who has no tattoos that we're aware mm. of is Brian mm. Mannix, but he does have hang on a minute. I'm 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 let's play, I'm in Melbourne, uh, where it is still winter. Uh finally, you're in Melbourne where it's still winter in suburban Melbourne. This Bulvet is in on the Gold Coast and has a uh, has more layers of clothing on him than I've seen on uh, a bear in the middle of the woods. Brian Mannix, what, why have you got scarf wrapped around your neck 16,000 times? Well, first of all, can I say hello to our lovely listeners? Hello, Brian. Um, in the words of Joffa Boy, howdy doody, girls and boys. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear him. I can't hear him, Uncle Norman. I can't hear him. <laughs> yes. Oh, Oh, that was beautiful. Um, cold. I'm feeling the cold. It's um, I mean, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Oh, it's probably it's, twenty, um, is it? Well, no, it's seventeen. It's oh, freezing. You poor thing. <laughs> you, you. Haven't you turned into Mr. Softy? Oh, look at you! You, you piss weak transplant. You, <laughs> you lived in Victoria all your life, you bastard. Yeah, and you see the water on a day and it's 21 and there's people swimming. You go right there from Melbourne or Tassie, especially <laughs> especially if they're wearing black when they go down to the beach, then they're from Melbourne. It's 14 in Melbourne as we speak uh, and uh, heading for a low of nine. Yeah, and I'm in a T-shirt. Yeah. I mean, well, I, you're I've, just cool. <laughs> I'm in a hoodie and, a, and a, a beanie because I've just been out and put the – the bins out on Monday night, which I was doing. It's cold outside. But well, inside, I'm in a lot of nice. trouble. <laughs> I'm in a lot of trouble. So there you go. You are. You're feeling the cold. You poor bugger. That's age. Yeah. You know? Age makes you do that, Brian. I think lack of food probably doesn't help either. Doesn't, no, it doesn't. Anyway. Help. That's true. That's very true. Lack of food does affect mm. your metabolism. Yeah. Now we've got a lot to get through. Well, we've got uh, the footy to uh, recap on. We've got uh, new footy starting this week with the AFLW. Uh, we've got uh, finally he's been on the radio this week, making radio appearances, which is a very seldom occurrence yeah. in his life now. It used to be all the time, but not now. Got the death Eliza to get to. We've got the retire retireometer. Which is the Which is going on. <laughs> AFL Footy has a new executive general manager of football at last, a position that she's held for some time in an uh, an acting capacity, but now today they made it. Uh, they confirmed that, so we'll talk about that. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen returned for the Melbourne Storm after four hundred and six days away, which was fantastic. So it's a great little sports story. That good to see him. The All-Australian side squad was announced today, so we're going to have to talk about all that. How's your week been, Mr Mannix? 
Um, I've had better weeks. Um, you know, there was no air show to entertain me. Um, there were no fireworks. Um, and no, nah, look, I've had better weeks, but you know, I'm not going to complain. Um, it, there was nothing significant at all that really happened. Um, so just you know, the telescope a, on the balcony staring down at the strip clubs, that was it for this week from the balcony? Well, look, even last night I was tempted to go into the Hollywood showgirls <laughs> and my friend was going, come on, let's go, let's go. And I go, really? I'm just too tired. I just could, you know, so I don't know. I guess I'm having a – I must be the moon that makes you feel old. Hang on. Really? Can someone Can someone get to <laughs> real Brian Mannix and get him out of the, the detention room and let him come on the oh, program? So- Sorry, are you recording? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I've got about 17 strippers up here. We did so much drugs, I haven't slept for five days. There you go. God, I was worried there for a minute. <laughs> just get a bit of an edit going there, we'll be fine. <laughs> just take all that first bit out about him being old and cold and decrepit. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about and, that. And, no, not, no, and no. not wanting to go to strip clubs. Get Well, get rid of all that and we'll just start it from there, Brian. It'll be fine. I had 17 strippers here. There's so much drugs, and I haven't slept for five days. That's where we want to be. We'll go with that one. What about you, Mr. Fine? I know you appeared on the radio with Tony Moclair, a good friend of this program, uh, and uh, we're a good friend of his program. You appeared with him on Friday morning, was it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What else have you been up to? I just want to say, Tony, it was a really fun two hours. We had great fun. We did some reminisces of Luna Park, and that was great. We talked some footy and some Simpsons and – Oh, good. He is having a bit of an ear for this, having done it myself for a you know, quite a long time. He is such a talented broadcaster. Mm. Him doing overnights would be like playing Toby Green in the VFL. I mean, he is he's too good. For, he's too good for overnights. I I can say that with certainty, and that's no slight on anybody that does overnights, but. You know, it's it, it is the graveyard shift. It's got that name for a reason, and he's way better than that. But as we both know, Kevin, radio is generally not a meritocracy. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, he might. Uh, the rumours. Uh, the rumour around is that uh, there's going to be all sorts of changes at Three AW, where he currently works in the coming months, and uh, part of that change might be him getting a daytime shift. The afternoon show that would be fantastic, and he would he would absolutely knock it out of the park every day of the week. People love it. he's 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 just that very good thing for radio. He's got a very broad knowledge base. He's excellent at at at, at, at nostalgia, which people love on radio. But he's also up with the times. You need to know your sport in Melbourne. He's very good at that. He's. He's a talent, and I'll tell you that much. Yeah, he is. And I'll tell you what he is, that a lot of current radio people are not. He's an incredibly good listener. He listens to his guests, and he That's listens and he listens to the callers. He treats the callers with respect. Um, he doesn't talk over the top of them. He lets them – if you're going to talk back radio and have someone on, let them have, yeah. their, let them have an opinion. Even You might not share that opinion, but let them have an opinion. Then okay, talk okay. to him about it. And- Let me just say oh, about go. listening and what you're talking about. 
I think Essendon was robbed, and you guys don't know anything about sport. There's, there's your listening. <laughs> well, I heard that, and I chose to push the dump button halfway through it because um, <laughs> it was just Just rubbish. edit that bit out too. Just edit that bit out as well. Actually, you haven't even appeared on the show yet, Brian. We, we, no, we've, no. we've edited you out so much, you haven't even been on yet. Uh, no, he's, he's, yeah, he's br- just on Tony McClee. He's a really good talent, and uh, I hope he gets that afternoon shot. I hope that, hope that happens sooner rather yep. than later. Um, yep. But you're right. Sometimes you have to ply your trade in the uh, off Broadway before you get a chance to do it on Broadway. When that when on Broadway happens for him, he, he's ready to go. You bet he is. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right. Now let's get to the footy tips because officially the tipping competitions both finish. So let's see how they finish, shall we? Brian? Fair idea. Got a fair idea. Have you? Is that right? Mm. Okay. I don't know about I don't know about the Lenny's fine foods tipping, but I know how the one pointers. Well, the one pointers has been uh, Finey's had that one in about April second. Um, I think we uh, worked out that Finey was not going to be beaten in that because uh, one, uh, his ability to pick winners is very good, and two, you and I are a couple of bullheads who uh, seriously <laughs> couldn't tip a bucket over in the middle of a storm. Um, we're hopeless. Uh, so the one point is finally won handsomely months ago, but we let it play out till the end, uh, and uh-huh. in, and in the end uh, finished up with a very creditable score of one hundred and forty-seven. Finally, um, great, Brian, you finished up last. No great surprise to anybody, mm. least of all you. I would have thought. No, <laughs> no, no. I was I was too brave with my selections this year. Oh, now it's bravery, is it? Now you get you don't just the get a participation. You don't get a participation certificate. Brave. I get the courage and bravery <laughs> award for my tips. No, that's called yeah. foolhardy and stupidity. Brave pity. Apparently, <laughs> Lenny's Fine Foods has given a five grand prize for whoever comes last. No, twenty five grand for first, not and true. five for last, and. Nothing for you. Oh, nothing for the bloke in the middle. <laughs> Good. The middle kid misses out again. Dad. Uh, and I finished up with 131. So uh, credible Not second bad. in the end because Not I had a bad. very I had a very powerful finish, as you were about to find out, oh. Mr. Mannix. Now, so in, in the Lenny's Fine Food competition, where there is a $25,000 cash prize going to the uh, to the winner of this competition, when we left you last week, I was in third place on 174. Brian Mannix was in second on 180, and Mark Fine, clearly going to win this by a street, was out in front on 223. So, Fine, he maintained his position at the top of the podium, but had a very, probably the poorest week you've had because you just, you just hung it out there, didn't you? Let's be honest. You just yep. you just stuck it out there in the cold, and if it saluted, it was going to salute, and if it didn't, well, it didn't. And as no, it, I didn't do well. And as it turned out, it didn't. You got eleven. <laughs> oh. Eleven. You got Melbourne, the dogs, and uh, Port Adelaide. Uh, so eleven. The for dogs a, didn't win. Didn't the dogs lose? And the dogs won. No, the dogs won. Buffet. Um, they shouldn't have won by half, at half time. Uh, really, Geelong should have been that far in front. It wasn't funny, but they. Kicked very poorly. Uh, so he finished up with a total of 234, Finey, which we don't have benchmarks anywhere to compare this with. So 
No, he set the new course. He set. He's done a Donald Trump. Exactly he set right. The new course record. Exactly. It's never been done before. And next year we're moving. We're moving the tees to a different spot. So next year will be a world record again as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So now uh, there was six points separating Brian and myself at the start of uh, this round. Uh, Brian was on 180, and I was on 174. Didn't start well for you, Brian, because Essendon. Uh, you'd gone for the nine for Essendon. I banked the one for Collingwood, and I banked that. Then you picked up six for Frio beating Hawthorne. I I went for Hawthorne, so I didn't get that one. All right. Then, of course, North Melbourne won. Oh, who predicted that? I thought they were going to tank so they get that number one draft pick. Hip, hip, hooray, Kev back the ruse. Uh, So a nine for me and a none for you on that one, Brian. St Kilda. None. Oh, yeah, none. Yeah, because yeah, your team right. didn't win. If your team don't win, you don't get anything. Well, you can kiss a nun once, you can kiss a nun twice, but you'll never get into the habit. Right. Uh, now, St Kilda and uh, and Brisbane uh, banked the three and took them, while you went for the seven for St Kilda. Didn't work out well. The doggies in Geelong, at halftime I thought, well, uh, I won't be getting oh, any yeah. points there. And I hadn't actually yeah. realised that you'd picked the dogs as well. So the dogs got up, so we both picked up four points on that one. Oh, no, I picked the dog. Yes, you oh, did. Oh, in that one. I, yeah, okay. Adelaide, right. Adelaide, we both went for Adelaide to beat the West Coast Eagles, so we uh, we sort of shared the points there. Then we get to the Richmond and Port Adelaide game. You went the eight for Richmond. No good. I banked the two for the Port Adelaide. And then the Sydney and Melbourne game, you banked the uh, – you went for Sydney, uh, went for Melbourne, got the five. And then the cruncher came with Carlton, GWS. We both went for GWS, so we both got seven. But in the end, Brian, you picked up 19 for a total of but 100. you picked up 33. <laughs> 33. <laughs> 33. I've had the day out of all day outs to finish it off. So I finished with a total of 207, eight ahead of you, Brian, on 199. So the wooden spoon in both its versions is very comfortably sitting on your mantelpiece. Well, I'll mix up some porridge. You can. Well, I'm I'm vindicated. The Lenny's fine, Lenny's fine foods point distribution system works because Brian came last. So it <laughs> yes, they've checked the seed. The seeds were correct. One, two, and three were absolutely correct. But no, what it did do is that we came to the last round and it was still alive, despite the fact That's that what there's. Was it? Yeah, that's what's interesting about Despite it. Despite the fact that in the one pointers, there's there's fifteen or sixteen, there's a, a round and a half difference between Brian and I in the one pointers, but in the in the Lenny's fine food one, Brian was actually in front, so we were still not only alive, but we were yeah, still contesting was, for if we had a yeah. you know prize money for and, second you know, and third. If we and if we'd had another five weeks, we probably could have toppled Finey the way his form was going towards the last round. Not as long as your ass points to the ground, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're doing we're doing a finals competition, I presume. Yeah, starting next week. Because there are no there are no games this week. But we're starting a new competition. This Correct, week. we are. We're going to do the AFLW tips. Right. Show us your tips, Brian. Oh, that's just sexist, Kev. Tips, Brian. Well, I don't know. I don't even know who's playing. You've got them in your hair, Brian. Tips, tips, tips. Pay attention. So let's go through the uh, the AFLW uh, games, and they start. Let's go. 
Let's go through the girls, shall we? And they start. Can we get all the sexist bloody? Um, yeah, uh, we're having none of that. Yeah. they're bloody good athletes. Let's get it all football. out of your system now. Terrific. Kev started it with. Let's go through. You know, I just was half listening we, and just thought the wrong thing. Getting it all out of our system now. No, they are. They've uh, and look, it's oh, a, that's even worse. It's a sport. That is getting it all getting, out of your system now, are you? Correct. It's a sport that is getting better and better and better. And as the younger girls come through this system that has been now in place for five or six years, even though this is season eight, it's only seven years or six years, I think, um, they're getting better and they will continue to get better. So I think it needs it needs support rather than derision. Melbourne play Collingwood. Sexy things about them. Well, it's not about that. Melbourne play Collingwood at Icon Park um, on Friday night to kick the season off. No, I, I must admit, I don't, I don't have a great form guide here, so I'm... I'm it hasn't too... finally given the weighted tips for this. No, no, no. This is just a one-pointer competition for the AFLW. Oh, it's only a I've short season. I've got no idea. I've it's got no idea season. of Well, form. you know what? You'll probably win. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> It'll probably help you enormously. Uh, Melbourne take on Collingwood uh, at Icon Park on uh, Friday night. I'm tipping Melbourne to win this one. Daisy Pearce and the Melbourne girls have always been very strong. Collingwood uh, were strong at one stage, but uh, I think they may have dropped off. Well, there's no Daisy Pearce. She's retired. Yeah, no, I know that, but I'm saying it's always been a strong side with good players in there. I think uh, Anthony Misson's daughter plays there, Lily. Yeah, the Premiers. Yeah, plays for Melbourne. Um, so I think they'll win that one. Finding Melbourne. Mr Mannix. I think Collingwood are going to find something special this year. I think they're going to be great. All right. Carlton take on the Gold Coast at Icon Park on Saturday afternoon. A lot of games at Icon Park. Uh, on Saturday afternoon at uh, 1.05, I go the Blues. Finding Gold Coast. Gold Coast. Yes. Yep, who you pick? Gold Coast, Gold. because, well, you know, the weather up here is good. You feel like going to training. In Melbourne, it's like, oh, it's raining, it's cold, the wind's horrible. No, I'm just going to not go. I don't know so what I they... So I think our girls will be fitter. All right. Go Gold Coast. The Suns. Uh, Adelaide play Port Adelaide at Nord Oval on uh, hey, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, what? The, the, the female team is called the Gold Coast Suns. Oh, maybe they're called the Gold Coast Daughters. I don't know, Brian. That's I a think very they should good, be called the Daughters. Very, well, the, the girls in the the Bulldogs sing, don't sing Sons of the West. They sing Daughters of the West. Yeah, the Moons. Maybe they can be the Moons. But they can't be the Gold Coast Suns. Actually, in, some of them can. It's an interesting, anyway, interesting point. Adelaide and Port Adelaide. Norwood Oval uh, said afternoon. Adelaide have always been a very good side, so I'm going to go with Adelaide for my tip. Funny. Adelaide. Erin Phillips still playing or is she retired too? She's still playing, isn't she? Uh, still playing, yeah. yeah. Uh, who you like in Adelaide, Brian? Same thing. You feel more like training, the weather's good. Oh, I'll go for a little run. Yeah, no worries. They'll be fitter, they'll win. Who? Adelaide? Yeah, the Crows. Yeah, they're, yeah. Play- uh, they're playing Port excellent Adelaide. Reasoning. Excellent reasoning. Don't tell him. Hey, girls. How do the Adelaide girls feel about being called the Crows? I don't the old know. Crows. I don't know. Uh, Geelong play yeah, the Western well, Bulldogs at GMHBA Stadium five o'clock on Saturday afternoon. I'll go for the girls for the Western Bulldogs. Geelong a pretty good side though. I must admit, I've talked to a few of those Geelong girls. They've 
nice human beings too. Who are you going for, Finey? Geelong or Western Bulldogs? Geelong. Geelong at uh, GMHBA Stadium. Brian, Geelong or the Western Bulldogs? Once again, we've got a problem with the names. Fair dinkum. Can't call the girl the dogs? Look, well, you know, and that's swayed my whole, because I I don't know any form or how good they are, but I've always preferred a nice pussy to a dog, so I will go for the pussies. Both played finals last year. Hawthorne play Essendon at Kinetic Stadium at 7.15 on Saturday night. Anybody want to tell me where Kinetic Stadium is? Because I have no idea. I'm assuming isn't it in? It's a Hawthorne home in, game. Yeah, it's. I think it's near Strawn in Tasmania. Oh, there you go. So it's at the uh, uh, Hawthorne. No, I'm no, Strawn's got a population of four hundred and fifty people. <laughs> All right, we'll name them, smartass. Um, Hawthorne and Jerry, Essendon. This Tom. Yeah, Billy. Um, I'm going to go for Hawthorne to win that home game advantage. I'm just picking the home team. Finey? I'll go for Essendon. Essendon. Brian, any affiliation with the Essendon girls through your long association with the Essendon boys? Yeah, I don't care. They're way too young for me, for goodness sake. You know, and if I had an affiliation with one of the players, would I be talking about it on the podcast? Bloody of course would. I would. Yes. Of course I would. <laughs> um, um, no, I think uh, you're right there. Uh, is, is the go. They're the goers. Who are you going for? Who is it, Hawthorne? Yeah, Hawthorne. Okay. Yeah, Hawthorne. Hawthorne to beat Essendon. North Melbourne take on St Kilda down in Tassie, uh, Sunday afternoon. North Melbourne, very good side. Emma Carney is a guest on Food Bites this week. She's a very, very good player, Emma Carney. They have a few good players, North Melbourne. I think they'll win that. Finey? North Melbourne. Very good side, North Melbourne. Uh, and uh, Brian, North Melbourne or St Kilda? Well, Kev, Finey, I was a big fan of Art Carney. So if Emma, his daughter's playing, well, yeah, let's jump on board the kangaroos. Beautiful. Put me in the pouch. Okay. Brisbane and oh, Richmond. Honestly, I didn't even – that wasn't did, even – Did I say – Did what did I say at the start of this? Brisbane and Richmond play at the Brighton Homes Arena. That's uh, up in Brisbane, of course. Uh, Sunday afternoon at 3.05. Uh, I'm going to go for Brisbane to win up there. Finey? Brisbane. Mannix. Uh, the Lions. Or, or the Tigers. The Lions, the Tigers, the Cougars. Oh, that's what they should be called, the Brisbane Cougars. Oh, don't start. That'd be all right. Um, what have we got? The Brisbane and the... Um, the Lions and the Tigers, the other... go on. Oh, well, you know, I always go for a Tiger. Hey! Richmond to win. Good on you, girl. Sydney, yeah, they're going to smash it. Sydney and GWS in the Sydney Derby, North Sydney Oval, Sunday afternoon at 3.05. Uh, how come all their games are on at the same time? Just about. Um, I'll go for Sydney to win up there. Well, I suppose they're both up there. GWS or Sydney, Finey? GWS. Mr. Mannix. Well, I don't want to talk to you about what GWS stands for with the women's team, so I'm just going to go for the Swan. Okay, that's a very wise idea. And the final game of the weekend <laughs> is the the Derby in Perth between Fremantle and West Coast at Fremantle Oval at 5.05 on uh, Sunday afternoon. I'll go the Dockers. Finey? 
Dockers. And Mr. Meeks. Even that's, even that's disgusting as well. These bunch of girls, they're trying to play footy and they're called the Dockers. Yeah, Dock in here. Oh, that's terrible. No, I'm spread their wings so there's nothing this is disgusting this whole thing um go for the eagles okay the eagles is yours all right so there's our there's our list of the footy tips for the aflw for this coming week now retire retirometer went off tom hickey retired josh bruce retired um I don't know whether sam menegola has uh, retired or whether he's just not playing anymore for geelong not quite sure there and, of course, for the second time uh, at Essendon, um, Anthony Tip and Woody retired. Uh, they're the ones, and there will obviously be a lot of blokes in the next couple of weeks um, when the exit meetings are all done this week uh, will be, um, I won't say forced into retirement, but won't have an AFL career anymore. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you across those. Well, I'm cross about those. Why are you cross about those? Well, you said you'll keep us cross. Oh, about sorry, those. yes, I will. So, we'll keep you across those. So I'm, you know, I'm absolutely furious. I'm just trying to help you here. Laura Kane today was announced as the executive GM of football uh, for the AFL, a position she's had uh, in an acting role for some time now. Uh, comes from the yeah, North, North Melbourne Footy and Club. She is the daughter of Dick Kane. The game we I spoke about. Well, finally brought up with robot magic robot, but I had Magic Kane. And she is the daughter of the Magic Cane robot uh, thing, and she's a very smart young lady. Right. Thanks for that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, announced as that, that, that's a, that is a breakthrough, but it shouldn't be made out to be some great big huge thing. She's obviously a very, very smart football person, knows the stuff, and got the job finally. Absolutely. Been doing it. Play on. No, I don't. She's been doing it. Come on. Can we just keep to the footy? All right. You're going to have to rein it in, Brian. <laughs> um, uh, no, she has. She's been doing it and, and uh, without the uh, the tick of approval from her. But, but now she's got the job and she can do things that she probably hasn't been able to do for the last six months because she's been in that treading water capacity. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah. No, I mean, it's. I don't think – I think we've moved on from – Gender being, oh, I agree. Uh, well, I we have. No, we have. I mean, look, if they appoint a gorilla to that position, I'll raise my eyebrows. But I don't really care the gender of a person who does a job anymore. No, me neither. Now the I yes, I prefer it not to be a man. The season well, you, that well, was. You got your wish. <laughs> yes, exactly. The season that was, uh, Brian Essendon mm. finished. You whimpered out of the uh, out of the competition for 2023 after promising an awful lot during the year. You became an awful lot by the end of the year. What happened? And how, as a supporter of the football club, do you now feel where they're heading in 2024? I feel that Brad Scott is right to criticise the fitness and development team or whatever it is. Um, I think they ran out of legs about round 17. Um, and I think because they were tired, they just over started over hand-passing again. Um, there's very few of them that can take a good mark or a contested mark. Langford was great. Heppel was um, 
Zach Merritt was great. And I think, you know, that's about oh, – Redmond was good, but, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of mediocre players in the Bombers that need to get a kick up the ass, and hopefully they'll do it over the preseason. Were they the biggest disappointing team for you, for the ones that have dropped out finally, or do the Doggies make your list as the most disappointing team? No, Essendon. Oh, look, I mean, Essendon's a decade since they've been in the finals, isn't it? They're, they're, they're really, unfortunately for their supporters, enjoying, and I use the term facetiously, the worst era in the club's history. I mean, they've always been a very, very strong club. This is now becoming a terrible era for Essendon, and, and there's not much on the horizon, I can tell you that much. I will say this, if they pay 800000 a year for Ben Mackay, they're as stupid as they are disappointing. Mm. Yeah, that's what he wants. He's probably going to move from, from there. Mean, how, could you, how could you consider paying 800000 First of all, he's injury prone. Oh, yeah, he is. Second of all, he's, he's a stay-at-home backman. He's not a rebounding backman. He's a, He's okay. He takes a decent mark. He's worth about four hundred and fifty a year. He's just a mediocre AFL. Not mediocre. He's not mediocre, but he's just not. He's not elite. But he's not a prime mover. It's not a prime position. It's not. Is he a match winner? No. Well, then he's not worth that amount of money. Then he's not a match winner. He's a you know a standard sort of. Backman. All right. So who is a who is a match winner for you, Finey? Is an Aaron Norton good enough to get that kind of money if he if he is moving club? I'm not saying he is. I don't know. But the, the names yeah, he, that have been he would be worth eight hundred a year, not because I think he's in any way reached his potential. I think he's a frustration, and I have a certain opinion of Aaron Norton, which is if anybody knows Aaron Norton and has watched him play football, he's one of this game's great prima donnas. He is he suffers from a condition that Brian Lake had, Jerry Mc, Jeremy McGovern has, and Mitch McGovern has. Interesting the two brothers went out it. Mm-hmm. And, and interestingly, McGovern and Norton both displayed it to full on full view in the last home and away round of the in the second last home and away round of the season. And that the condition is? I'm dead. I'm injured. I, I can't play. I'm Help me! I'm dying. And ten minutes later, fifteen minutes later, they're back on the field. I mean, how many times has Norton looked completely and utterly spifflicated? Yep. He's got losers limp. He's got winners limp. He's just there are certain players that like going off the that that are, and McGovern has done it his entire career and never gets called on it. Remember, Brian Lake used to love going off the ground dead and then coming on to a hero's welcome. Yep. But Aaron Norton does exactly the same thing. He rarely goes for a contest without coming up holding a part of his body, and he has been off the ground, done and dusted, 30 times in his career, and 27 of those times he's come back on the ground. Yep. Very good call. Very good call. And so how but, do you... But he's, a, but he's a point of difference. Clubs need key forwards. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and, and now, if, if, if Essendon's going to pay 800000 immediately pay it for Aaron Norton. Do not pay it for Ben Mackay. Yep. Because they need a marking forward, Essendon. 
Is there anyone? You know, you know who's the most disappointing player of the season? I know he missed the first half of the season, but what on earth happened to Peter Wright when he came back? Well, we signed him up to a new contract, and then he did his shoulder signing the contract, and <laughs> has never been the player since. Um, yeah. He was, he was terrible he was a, when he came back. Well, I suppose he still takes up a good defender, and he probably is out of form, and that he still takes up a good defender. But, yeah, he was pretty much useless other than being a decoy so that Langford could actually score. But he was um, brilliant last year. Yeah, look, I thought last year he was probably as good as Joe Danaher. But um, this year, no. But, My memory you know, is last year against us, against the Doggies, he kicked seven or eight. He yeah, was great he last year. Yeah, well, you know, it's after season because of your contract shoulder injury. Um you know, it's going to take a little while to get over that, I guess. So, finally, as a football person, you're looking at the ones that didn't make the finals this year. Is there any yep. of those in there that you can see that can immediately bounce back and play finals footy next year? Is there two teams in there that could do it? One will play finals next year, I reckon. Adelaide. Right. So long are on the way down, but there's always... No, I've stopped. I'm now, it's now not, it's now the red zone for Geelong. When a team's that old and drops off the face of the earth, even with Cardinia Park, they're going to struggle next year. Yep. They've got an old list. Um, You know, Dangerfield Hawkins are going around again. They're old. And they've got a lot of other old players, players that are old as well. They've got a lot of players, um, too, that strike me that you think they're older than they are because of the way they play, like yeah. Kolodashian, like Buse, um, yeah, yeah. Mitch Duncan, Blake. So you feel like they're they're well into their 30s, and they're probably not, or they're just in their 30s. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Do you know what I mean? They're, yeah, they're, um, they've got issues. Um, people are going to spruik Gold Coast because of Hardwick, but they've got a long, you know, People are going, oh, Gold Coast are bloody good this year. They finished 15th again. I mean, they've got a long way to go just as a football club to start being a finals club. But oh, anyway. Haw- Hawthorne won some big games this year too. Hawthorne beat some some of the top, I think they beat Collingwood and Port Adelaide, but they're, they're a long way from being a top eight side, I would have thought, still. I mean, they can move up because they've got a okay. good, good young team and, and mm. these, these things can change, you know, Put another year, big pre-season oh, into them. A lot I, of them are very good. I reckon Hawthorne could be in the eight within two years easily, and I yeah. reckon Gold Coast can be as well. Um, but yeah, what two, do I two, know? I, if you said two I, I years, last. I'd go yes. I'd go yes, I'd agree with both of those. They, 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 they both could I don't be think Gold, I don't think Gold Coast can, unless they well, I think they've got a lot of high draft picks again. It's it's all been shuffled down their throat. Like they, they're getting fed by the AFL like a baby penguin gets fed by its mother. I mean, the, they're just getting they're just getting the clued up, mashed up fish vomited down of their throat every year. Yes, because I mean, you know, they are they are an AFL project, and the project has failed dismally, and they just will get. Every opportunity. I mean, now, when I say every opportunity, what they're getting now, people are going, well, hang on, they traded for that, whatever. The reason they get so many picks is because they've got an abundance of so many high picks previously. They just churn them through because they yeah. don't want to stay. 
and then they end up getting more high picks for it, and they got their academy. So interstate football's changed. I think the Allies might have won the under-18s competition this year. They're very strong, and they, you know, they've been hived off a big portion of Queensland, and those kids just go straight to Gold Coast. They're not subject to the NGA Academy requirements of not being allowed to be picked in the top 40. They just go there whether they're a top pick or not. And they've got three, I think, that are exceptionally uh, talented uh, that will be joining them this year. Yeah, and then they go, yeah, but we don't have any father-sons. Well, go tell your story walking. In their history, St Kilda's had two father-sons ever, David Sarakowski and Bailey Rice. So I don't, I hardly think that's a, of any interest to a St Kilda supporter. Um, the only but two Mel- ever. But Melbourne got the same kind of treatment. This is a new team. They're, yeah, they are shit ass, and you're right. But let's not forget all of the draft picks that Melbourne stuffed up and then the AFL paid a million dollars to Paul Roos to sort it out, and he did pretty much bugger all, I reckon. Um, I, You know, this is one of the reasons I hate Melbourne because I just think they've been helped so much at a time when Essendon was just getting crucified. But, yeah, but you know, Gold Coast, that's my turn. Yeah, they're no good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bulldogs. Disappointing, but oh. sure. Here's a question for you: Would you get rid of Bailey Smith? Uh, made no impact this year. I, look, I don't know that he. Uh, and I'm not. I'm by no means an, an expert. I don't think he was playing in the right position. I don't think he was playing in a position that he loved, which he was two years ago. Um, he was he was full of run, uh, full of impact. Um, he had none of that this year, uh, or a very sparse amount of that this year. Um, there seemed to be blokes playing in different positions this year that I, I couldn't work out, and Bailey was one of those. Um, I think if you let him run on a wing or a halfback flank or run him through the middle of the ground, that's that's what the kid loves to do, and he's got the talent to be able to pull it off. So um, I'm surprised he didn't get more of a run in there, but I think because they've got Bontempelli, Liberatore, Trelaw, I was surprised he didn't get more of a run given that Dunk- Dunkley had gone. Um, he's probably not the inside midfielder that the Dunks is um, and has shown in Brisbane what he's about, but he's more probably more an outside one. But you've got Liberatore in there to get the ball. Trelaw is kind of your outside runner. Bontempelli's a bit of both. Um, McRae got pushed out of that midfield and got pushed forward, which was funny. Um, would would I like Bailey Smith. I, I really enjoy watching him play. I will not be surprised if he finishes up probably at Geelong. Kev? How much, talking to Bailey Smith, um, how much talent do you think he needs to pull it off? Not much, Brian. Okay. Two years ago, he was uh, he was probably, I don't know how he made the under-22 All-Australian team this year because he, he certainly didn't deserve a jumper in that uh, that lineup. Um, I don't think he went backwards as a footballer, as a player, but I think he played, the footy he played this year, he certainly didn't go forwards. So, I'd have him. I'd have him down. At I think. I think a lot of flash. other teams that have him tomorrow. I have no doubt about yeah. that. And and he will probably thrive as a few other blokes have done, as a Mason Wood has done at St Kilda, and he probably will thrive somewhere else. But he certainly Ted Richards. Ted Richards at Sydney. He won. certainly. He certainly wasn't. Uh, wasn't not performing up until this year. And I think there's obviously other things going on with mental health issues and whatever. Whatever they are. Um, 
that that impacted in this year. But I'll, I'll be given they got some salary cap issues to f- sort out with Tim English, Norton being very um, heavily courted by the West Australian teams to go home. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the crunch of all that 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 Bailey does go to another club. That he'd happens. be a good fit at St Kilda. He'd be look. I think he'd be terrific wherever he went. I think he's terrific at the Dogs, but you've just got to play him in a position where he has the kind of impact he had two years ago. And that I don't think that happened this year for whatever reason. All right, you know what it's time for, Brian. Ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully. Make sure your name is not in the list of the Death Eliser. If you'd like to, if you'd like to be included in the Death Eliser, just drop us a line. Um, let, let us know. Send send me an email. Send me an email. We'll put you in. like you know we you know somebody that meant something to one of our listeners wanted to put them in. We could we could chuck them in. Yeah, why wouldn't we? Yeah, no, we'd do that. Uh, uh, light. If, if you want to be in the death Eliza, I've got a recipe. I've got a new dish called Beef Lee and Gaffer. <laughs> oh, in the old days, they'd say, if you'd like to be in the death Eliza, send a self stamp addressed envelope to Channel 9, uh, you know, whatever it was. But yeah, it was, post- it was always post office box something in Willoughby. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, but you had to send the self stamp addressed envelope. Look, just you it's, know, it's simple. I think it was. I think it was stamped self addressed, not self stamp addressed. <laughs> uh, just uh, shoot me your uh, your BSB and uh, your account details uh, through to the uh, through the email, and we'll get you in the deathalizer. We can we can almost guarantee that it'll happen for you, if as long as you send your BSB and your your account details and and that off to me. I know. I know a bloke that can get you in the yeah, deathalizer. No worries. <laughs> um, it's it's a light light on this week. There's only two, which is good. Um, Austin Robertson Jr. passed away at the age of 80, an AFL Hall of Famer, a man who kicked 1,211 goals in the waffle um, in 250-odd games. So his strike rate was unbelievable. He played for South Melbourne, only played a handful of games for South Melbourne. I think 16 or 18 games and kicked 60 goals. So he, when he did come to Melbourne, he did exceptionally well, but a very famous West Australian sporting name oh, is... How old was he, kid? 80. Know? How's his old man coping with the loss of his son? I haven't been able to contact him for uh, any uh, any thoughts at this stage. <laughs> his, old man okay. was a, a, his old man was a very good footballer for South Melbourne, I think. Austin Robinson Senior. Yeah, wasn't his old man a cricketer as well? Or was Junior the cricketer? I think one of them had, one, up. one of them was to do with cricket as well. Might might have been his other old man. Anyway. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, <laughs> and the other the other death was uh, Bob Barker, the American host of The Price Is Right, passed away. Um, he was host of The Price Is Right for ever. Won eighteen Emmy awards. How old do you reckon he was when he died? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Higher. Thirteen. 102. Lower. 103. Lower. I was no good. I was no good at the price, yeah, right? I gather that. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian buggered it up by picking the right price right from the very start, you smart ass. Yes, he was 99. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Well, he's just grateful that when he died, he didn't hear the words, come on down. <laughs> he may well have heard the words, come on down. 
Uh, no, he was a good man. I'm sure he's up in heaven. I remember you. watching. I remember what when I went to America the first time. I went to America in the early 1990s, watching The Price Is Right on television, and thinking, "Who is this old bloke?" And that was what 30 years ago. He was 60, 69 then. Who's this old bloke? Who's because I'm I was used to The Price Is Right here, and it was a really like moved show, moved really fast, and uh, you know the host was young and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, go to America and see this. Really old fellow who'd been doing it for 150 years. So, so you and he was no Gary Meadows. He was no Gary Meadows. Who can Who else did the prices <laughs> right? Larry did the prices right. Larry did the prices right, yeah. but I think it started with Gary Meadows. Yeah, who it had did that unfortunate crease on the top of his nose. Yes, and and he had to he had a, a a very kind of Elvis kind of hairdo too, didn't he? Yes, Gary he Meadows? did. He did. There's a lot of hairspray in that. It was. Enormous. wasn't it, good. It wasn't good for the environment. It I'll looked. Tell you. It actually looked like your Beatles wig that you and your brother. You have photos of you and your brother. So it was akin to a Beatles wig that Gary Meadows used to have. Uh, that was a that was a hair helmet. Yeah, it was. It was. All right, that's it. That's uh, that. Close it up, Brian. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes tonight's very scary episode of. The death Eliza. It could be you. Oh, don't. <laughs> there was somebody else who died. Uh, he was the, from the world of music. I'm surprised you missed it, but I can't remember who it was. It was a few days ago. Who was it? Somebody had written a whole lot of songs that I didn't like. That's why he's not in there. No, well, I, 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 I'm amazed that I missed. Yeah, I, I thought you, you know the songs. They're all. I think they were all those sort of, I'm going to say, oh, I can't remember. They were all the type of genre that I didn't like. Well, okay. I don't know. You've got me, mm-hmm. uh, I'll check it up. But I went through and had a quick look That's because I, I didn't realise Bob Barker had died until today. Uh, I don't well, think I missed any big songs. Let's just do what normal civilization does and pay our tributes to John Doe, who wrote a lot of shit songs? <laughs> also made the death alive. That stuff that put a, stuff put that a little tag on like. his toe. He's ready to go. Finally, didn't like it, so um, we didn't mention him. Yeah. So a well-known, a well-known songwriter. Finally, like a not no. like a Bert Bacharach, Hal David type person. No, 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 no. But but you'd know his songs. Yeah, just I've got my list up here of film, of French film directors, Italian. Got a lot of Indian film producers die every week. Must be there must be forty million. Uh, hang on, they get they get Rob, shot Robbie, for Robert, going Robbie over Robinson. budget. No, not Robbie. Oh, I mentioned Robbie no, Robinson week two weeks ago from the band. Yeah. He didn't write yeah. terrible no, songs. No. He wrote terrific no. songs. Uh, no. Eddie Scola, no American-born Danish singer and actor. No, it wasn't Eddie. Um, Jeez, I love Derek's work. There's Bomb, this Swedish jazz trumpet and composer Bossy Broberg died. A Bossy Broberg? Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, no, forget it. John Kesty, the American punk singer from the Effigies, he died. Um, Great band. Kim Suk Won, the South Korean automotive. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. Brian, Kim Brian. Brian. Even I'm going to say something about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw this this afternoon. I, I was going to write it down, then I thought, no one. Uh, but now that I've gone to the list, Kim Suk Won, 78. What did Kim Suk Won do for, for, for crap? South Korean. Is that in her name? South Korean automotive and scouting executive. <laughs> well, why don't we 
um, on the show and give her a segment. It's the, you know. Hang on. Kim, Kim Suk Won. Uh, wait a minute. Won. I haven't finished. Kim Suk Won was the president of the Sen Yong Group who make the cars. We should give her a little segment, you know. This segment presented by Kim Suk Won. You know, mm-hmm. keep, her, keep her legacy alive, Kev. Clay uh, Mathile, 82, the American pet food industry executive, uh, passed away. Uh, you know Kim Suk Won. No, no, definitely not. Um, Tony Roberts, the American Hall of Fame sports I, I don't know who it was. I've got it. Who was it? I think Bob Feldman. Bob, was that it? Bob Feldman. What a Bob write. He wrote, my boyfriend's back. Oh, boyfriend's back. And gonna da, 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 da. Hey, now. Is that it? Yeah. It's a pretty good song. But, yeah, I think that was uh, it. When did he die, finally? Uh, August the 23rd. 23rd. I'll go down here. 23rd. Here we go. Um, Benjamin Bukana Lourdes, the Congolese politician. Uh, Bob Feldman, 83. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, hang on. So Bob wrote, my boyfriend's back and I want candy. Yeah, rubbish like that. And he was the producer of Hang On Sloopy, which I love Hang On Sloopy. I've got a feeling that um, Bob, and I'm not – there's nothing wrong with this, but I had a feeling he might be gay because what's the first one? My boyfriend's back. I want candy. And what's the last one? He graduated from Abraham Lincoln. Hang on, Sloopy. He graduated from Abraham Lincoln High School. Hang on, Hang on, Hang Sloopy. On. He graduated from Abraham Lincoln High School alongside Neil Sedaka and was a member of the All City Choir alongside Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand. Jeez. That's where it all went wrong. That's where it all went wrong. He and was... the day after, Bernie Marsden died. Oh, the uh, guitarist from uh, Whitesnake. Whitesnake. I've yeah. su- now, I should have mentioned him. So there you go. So Bob well, wrote, Bob wrote, Bob wrote, my boyfriend's back. He wrote Owen Candy. He wrote Nighttime. He wrote uh, Sorrow. No, hang on, hang on. What he did write, Kev, he was just a. He wrote Sorrow, the song that David Bowie did. It was an experience in one day. He wrote three songs. That's what was amazing about him. Right, so he wrote right. My Boyfriend's Back, I Want Candy. And now after the candy, I'm hanging on to Sloopy. Right. Okay. Uh, no, but that, yeah, but yeah. If, if he wrote Sorrow, that's a pretty famous song. Yeah, I would have thought yeah. so. Except with Goldstein and another bloke, he also co-wrote Sorrow, first recorded by the McCoys and later a hit for both the Merseys and David Bowie. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, yeah. Well, hang on, Sloopy uh, was a massive big song too for the McCoys. That was a really big surf song. Well, so sorry to mention Bob. Bob's in there as well. So there, there we can. The, the Deathalyzer is now closed up again, and we've uh, uh, we've uh, paid out. Respects to Bob Barker, Kim Suk Wan, and uh, and Bobby Feldman, and Kim Suk too. <laughs> yeah, it's just Kim Suk Wan oh, needs geez. to. You know, if we could only have got her and Yoko's pussy together, wow, how good would that have been? Let's get to this I week's mean, you topic. Know, you know what? You know what he said. What? <laughs> you suck one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. The. The uh, topic this week was sporting. Finally, <laughs> came up with this one of your favourite sporting movies. I think it's a good one. I think it's a great one. I, I like it. I had great fun doing this this afternoon. I really enjoyed it. Um, I spent twenty minutes watching the highlights of one particular character out of one film, and uh, it's, it made my afternoon more than worthwhile. So yes, yep. 
Very good topic. And you're starting us off, Mr. Fine, because it's your topic with your number five. At number five, I have the boxing documentary, When We Were Kings. Oh, great film. Made in 1996. It is the really in-depth, brilliantly done documentary of the famous Rumble in the Jungle, 1974, the Zaire fight, of course, between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. And, I mean, it's just a fantastic documentary. And I've got a, a spooky story about it. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. I bet you do. No, it's pretty, it's pretty. I'll never forget watching this movie ever as long as I live. You know why? I was on the Gold Coast with my wife, Natalie. We hadn't been married very long. And we, I was watching When We Were Kings. She was sort of watching it. We were in an apartment. And I went to the balcony to have a cigarette. And when I came back... It wasn't on. It wasn't on. And it was... No. And, I said, and I said, why are you watching this movie? And I thought it was one of those... Bruce Willis that, movies. Yeah, like I thought it was. I actually thought it was that airport, or you know those, and it was nine eleven. Oh, I did exactly the same thing. I was sitting in Mackay. I was watching the movie, and then suddenly it just crossed to this thing. I thought, "Where the f- is Bruce Willis? This looks like Die Hard." Um, yeah, but I, I, I actually walked out of the room when I walked back in. I told her off. I said, "Why did you change the channel? I don't want to watch this." And she said, "I don't know what's going on." And it was so you. 9/11. So you think you think nine eleven is the best, your fifth best sporting movies. <laughs> I guess it is about aviation. Oh yeah, Too right. Fair Too enough. Soon. Too soon, Brian. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that was strange. Oh wow! Wasn't it? But, oh, so you oh, but, you both did that? Wow, jeez. Yeah. it was on the it was on the ABC. Yeah, I don't know. It was on in Queensland. I can tell you that much. There you go. Was it was certainly on in Mackay. Why were you you and Mackay doing a gig? Yeah, I was up there for three weeks doing some gigs oh, okay. with um, some people, and they all went out, and I was too old and tired, so I just stayed at home and watched TV. And um, well, that's good. So that. you know, you, you know the story. That's very good. There you go. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a wonderful. You can movie. you can verify it. I was really pissed off with the terrorists for interrupting it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Right. You know, I was really enjoying this. And yes. now I've got, you know, okay, well, there's explosions flying and into shit buildings going and stuff. on. You know, yeah. Don't worry. It was pretty compelling watching it live. Let oh, me tell God, you. yeah. Uh, I, saw the, I saw the second building come down live. Um, yeah. The I first one, I think. I, I, live. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. But um, I, 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 I nodded off when the first one collapsed. And then I heard them talking about it, and then I woke up and was like, oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really funny that you and me both watched the same thing and both remember being interrupted by that. Yep, bloody hell. Yeah. All right, uh, number five. Brian, what's your number five movie? Okay, this is not a very good movie. No. But, but it, it is in that it... It changed my world. I think it changed everybody's world. Um, it came out in about 1979, I think. And it's Enter the Dragon. Um, not because it's a great movie. I really enjoyed it at the time. But 
everybody. I went off and had Zendo Kai karate lessons. We all built their own nunchuckers. It really did change the culture. You know, even in the, the following James Bond movie, which I think was Live and Let Die, um, you know, James Bond suddenly doing karate. Everybody started doing kung fu and karate moves rather than just the old punching thing. And I just think it revolutionised the world into martial arts. And for that reason, it's my number five. Okay. Good choice. Um, my number five, and I've agonised over this with two other, there's three films I've got uh, sitting in a, a list here, and I've been going through today trying to work out which of the three I want at number five, and in the end I've gone with Hoop Dreams, which is a really interesting little film that was made um, uh, about two young boys uh, coming up through high school and going into the NBA draft, and uh, one that made it and one that didn't. Um, really well done in terms of not not a, not that kind of the you know the NBA's got a, a real hypey kind of rapper kind of um, uh, I guess it's sometimes preachier holier than thou um, thing that goes on with the, you know these great stories of kids that come from the the burbs and make it and all that. This is a really well done, simply told story about these two young boys trying to become basketball stars. That was their dream. Um, and uh, it was really well done. Really, not not corny, not not uh, saccharine, not uh, but just really very realistic. And I really enjoyed it. Haven't seen it. I only seen it the once, uh, but thoroughly enjoyed it. So that that in the end is one over a couple of others, um, which are only very small films, not great big huge blockbuster films. And this was a small little doco type film. But Hoop Dreams is uh, is what makes my number five. Finally, number four. Another documentary. Not many people would have seen this movie. It is an absolute ripper. It's called The Other Final. Have you ever heard of it? Not not just by the name. The name doesn't ring a bell with me. Okay. Made in 2003, it tells the story of a soccer game that was organised to be played on the same day as the 2002 World Cup final. It was the brainchild of a Dutch football fan and documentary maker. Holland didn't make the World Cup finals that year and he was so disappointed he started thinking of other teams that didn't make it. And he organised a game between the two lowest-ranked football nations in the world. Right. Bhutan and Montserrat, ranked 202 and 203 in the world. Oh, right. And it's an amazing story about people from two countries that those countries had no formal relations. They had no, there was not a single thread that ties Bhutan, which is a kingdom high in the Himalayas, a very small nation. And Montserrat, which is in the Caribbean, was a nation almost in exile because Montserrat had been destroyed by a volcano and most Montserratians Virtually all of them were not living in the actual country of Montserrat at the time. They'd all been evacuated. Montserrat, and it tells an interesting story about how Montserrat refinanced its rebuilding by a song. Do you know what that song was? No idea. So a DJ in a museo from Montserrat wrote the song Hot, Hot, Hot about the volcano, it was about the destruction of Montserrat. You know, that hot, hot, hot. The dance song, yeah. 
That's a that's a Montserrat musician writing about the volcano that temporarily destroyed the country. Oh, okay. And all the money from that sales of that song went to rebuilding some infrastructure there. And that was happening at the same time. But this game took place on the same day as the World Cup final. I won't tell you the result. At the the Chingalimatan Stadium in Bhutan. And it was just this beautiful meeting of, I mean, both teams took it seriously. They were both the national sides, but they were both very poor soccer teams. But they were playing for the other World Cup, sanctioned by FIFA, recognised by FIFA with a big trophy. And it was, it's very moving. It's very, it's fun and it's interesting and touching. Okay, the other final. We'll check that one yeah. out. There you go. Brian, what's your number four? I'm really running out of space here. Um, Finey's one has just made me sort of want to put – look, I'll give it a special mention. Um, Next Goal Wins, I think it's on Stan or Netflix, um, about the American Samoa team trying to make the America's Cup. But what I – my fourth selection will be – it's a series of documentaries about sport – and I think I've mentioned it on the show before, it's called Untold. And I've been watching a few of them lately, and there was an absolutely fantastic one about Jake Paul. And I had no idea about this bloke. And him, he's got a really tough dad, and him and his brother are there, you know, thick as thieves, and they start making videos for YouTube. And they're, you know, they're, getting, you know, they're getting a few, you know, hits and that's all good. And then suddenly they make $5,000 and then they become huge and they become these massive YouTube um, video people that make videos to the point where they've got 24 million videos. But then him and the brother sort of have a bit of a falling out and they're both competing against each other and then it all turns to shit. And so then they decide they're going to be boxers. Uh-huh. And that's where and that's where the story gets really good. And these guys with no freaking experience um go on to be boxers and one of them does quite well. Um it's it's fantastic. But also in this series, The Massacre at the Palace, which is about the greatest um punch on in basketball. Oh the yeah. Mafia- yeah. The mafia guy that buys his son a hockey team and they just punch the shit out of everybody. I highly recommend that, but it's 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 there's a series, there's about ten of them. Even the, the one about the female boxer, which I wasn't interested in, was really good. So I watched there you a four part one in that series the other night. Um, uh, not not anything to do with researching this. Was was on the Florida uh, College um, uh, gridiron team, and it was terrific. Oh yeah, yeah I saw that one. The yeah, swamp, so the swamp. Terrific. I think it's called the swamp. Which or inside the swamp or something? Swamp Kings, maybe. Swamp Kings, that's it. Yeah, yep. Yeah, well, no, I watched that. I watched that last week too. I and I just got addicted to these. I've watched three or four of them this week. I think I'm about out. But um, so untold yeah, for me. Yeah, All it's right. very good. Very good series. Um, my number four is a little movie called The Damned United, which I loved. Thought it was a really, really good film. Absolutely sensational cast. It's about Brian Clough, the uh, the uh, Nottingham Forest manager, but um, it's uh, just a really good film, good story. Um, 
uh, Brian Clough, not the most likable character in the world, but Michael Sheen, who plays him, is a bloody good actor. Colin Meaney's in it as Don Revy. Um, Timothy Spall, I think his name is, played uh, Peter Taylor, um, Brian Clough's offsider. I think we've talked about it once before on this show, finally, this film. Oh, I love the damn United. Yeah, it's a bl- really, really good film. Um, terrific cast and all that, and just um, just a really likable film. And I, I was kind of aware of the Brian Clough story because you you pay attention to who the managers are uh, of English soccer teams, and they become you know quite big stars over there. And obviously, we read about him, but he was uh, he was someone who certainly um, was a, a very uh, up and about uh, figure promoting himself as well as his his game and his his football club. So it was a, just a really good little film, one that I reckon you should have a look at if you haven't seen it. It's a good little film, The Damned United. Michael Shane's a really good actor. Um, number three, Mr. Fain. Now, I have mentioned this movie in passing before. It is a really little-known movie. Very few people would have seen it. Very hard to find. It's an Australian movie called Sunny and the Dark Horse. Oh, yes, you have mentioned that before. Made in 1987. It's a docu-film. You know, it's not a voiced-over documentary or anything. It's actually just real footage of a real family. Of an Aboriginal family, they work at an Aboriginal-operated cattle station. So they're quite successful, quite comfortable. called Colum Colum in northern New South Wales. And Sonny, the patriarch, loves getting two horses and racing them at picnic meetings. Yeah, so, you know, they raised the tracks like Glen Ray and Balnaruggle. I don't know, a tiny little places you've never seen. He buys a horse called King that does quite well. And the dark horse he names and imagine trying to rest to Imagine the um, political correct police trying to wrap their their thought process around an Aboriginal racehorse trainer buying a black horse called Sambo. Anyway, that's, oh, jeez. That's what he names the horse. But it's a great story. It's also really interesting little subplot. His daughter's this lovely girl, works in town, and her boyfriend is not Aboriginal and he's really cute and, you know, they're, they're blossoming relationships handled very tenderly. It's a really sweet Australian story. Takes you back to 1987. If you like, if you like picnic racing or country, if you like horse racing but not for big money and just around the traps, it's an absolute ripper. Yep. All right. Sunny and the black horse and the dark horse. Uh, dark horse. All right. Uh, number three, Brian. Ah, uh, look, I just thought of another one, and I have to put it in, so it's mucking up my whole thing. But there's a movie that I really highly recommend. It's um. I just got it on a whim one night from a video store, so that's how old it is. It's called Mike Bassett, England Manager, and it's a mockumentary about... Yeah, that's one of my favourite actors of all time, isn't it? Uh, who is it? Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's really funny. Nobody wants to manage the English national team because they're so shit, and this guy wins some bullshit you know, tiny trophy, and he's the only bloke that accepts it. And what happens, you know, like, it's just such an over-the-top movie. Like, at one point in the movie, you know, they rip their shirt off when they get a goal. Well, this guy rips his shirt off, he rips his pants off, he rips his undies off. He's just running around in the nude. And 
you know, they take him to the um, the sports clinic, and they, you know, to do you know high tech sports training. They all get injured. Um, everything that can go wrong does go wrong, and Mike Bassett gets pissed. And but it's just such a fun movie to watch. It's it's really great. So that's my number three. Yeah, it's it's Ricky Tomlinson who plays the father in the Royal Family. Well, his kids, his kids get shit hang on him um, because he's such a shit manager. So he's going to school and he said, you know, and the wife goes, you know, he came over to school today and he's they shaved his eyebrows off and he's going, oh well then, go back, you know, and they've got prick written on his head and stuff. Um, <laughs> no, it's just so great in so many levels. So Mike Bassett, England manager. I'm just reading about it here. Um... Narrated by Martin Bashir. Now, wasn't he the one who got into trouble for falsifying something? For making, oh, I hope for, so. Yeah, for making something up uh, to do with a, a major, major story that he he had something to do with Princess Diana. Martin Bashir. His name rings I a mean, bell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did the interview with Princess Diana. Yeah, yeah, and 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 uh, set all to, to set the whole sorts of things up in the. From memory, didn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. pretty, pretty famous, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I see that uh, Bradley Walsh is in it, who's the English host of um, oh, what's that bloody game show that Andrew O'Keefe does? What's that called? Uh, the Chase. Yeah, the Chase. He's the English host of I the know, Chase. Andrew O'Keefe. Andrew O'Keefe's doing the doll now. Uh, yeah, I but... know that. Um, but Bradley Walsh is the Andrew. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew isn't Andrew O'Keefe doing the pipe? Yes. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it, the pair. Stop it, the pair of you. Down in the gutter, out front of Revolver. Bradley no, Walsh is the. Hold on, that. Bradley Walsh is the English host of um, the uh, of uh, what is it called? Deal or no deal. No. <laughs> you get nothing. What? A TV quiz show. Sorry, don't talk about it because I I want to keep that idea. Uh, what's the name of the one that the. Uh, it's not deal or no deal, isn't it? It's the other one. It's the one with the, the gigantor and all those. Uh, sucking off, sucking off. No, don't, don't. Can you just what? help me out here? What's the name of that bloody? The chase. The chase. That's it. The chase. He's the English host. And he's also a former first division um, English soccer player who has gone on to have a career as a sort of semi-actor come game show host. So. I notice he's trying in that. to prove. What's he trying to prove, Kev? I don't know, Brian, but he's proving it. My number three. <laughs> God almighty. Uh, my number three is Hoosiers, the Gene Hackman film. I loved it when I first saw it. I have. I must have. I haven't watched it back for a long time, so I might not might not travel so well because I think it was oh, is it mid to late eighties? I reckon it came out. Hackman was in it playing the the high school basketball coach. Dennis Hopper was kind of the uh, you know the rain man in it, and uh, I think uh, what's her name, the female, I can't think of her name, uh, Barbara Hershey, that's who it was, um, was in it. So the real good film, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it at the time. One of those kind of Coach Carter, any given Sunday type, you know, good, good, uh, good, feel good story. Friday Night thing. Lights, yeah, 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 all those. I, I actually preferred the Friday Night Lights TV series to the. The film when I saw the interesting, film. Interesting movie that, and this is one of the reasons I love Gene Hackman. It oh. didn't have much of it didn't have much of a budget, and apparently Gene Looks Hackman it. was was very difficult to deal with. I, um, I've got two hundred eighty thousand in my mind, but that's that that can't be right. But um, but to make I it, was really, 
yeah, it would have been more than that. That you know, but maybe that's what Gene Hackman took because he just, if he likes a script, he'll do it. You know, it's yeah. like he's got his set fee. But anyway, forget all that. Billy is very difficult to work with all the set, but it's a great performance by Gene Hackman as always. But in if you look at that movie too closely, you got these privileged white kids that the Gene Hackmans gets in together to take care of the more talented black kids that are run together, that people are sort of saying that it's racist. But if you just watch the movie as a movie, it's great. But if you start to try to read into it, people are now, this woke generation is now saying it's a bit racist. Oh, so, really? But, it's a movie for God's sake. Suspend, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a, you know, the black kids are at the school down the road. Well, you know, they were better at basketball. So what? It was inspired you know? by a true story, not necessarily the true story. And, uh, you know, you make a film for entertainment reasons, not necessarily – every film's not made to change the bloody world. It's a great film. Yeah, it is. I love it's a good it. film. I thoroughly enjoyed I it. I love every, anything that Gene Hackman in, is in is great. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Number two, I, Mr. Fine. I reckon Barbara Hershey was a great actress. They, they named her a road after her, of course. <laughs> the Barbara? Haven't you? No. Have you ever been up the Hershey Highway? <laughs> Uh, thank you. Now I'm getting a I'm getting a Hershey bar right now. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Now, Mister Fine, can you give us the number two? You two have been disgraceful tonight. Number two, please, Fine. To put me in the same class as Brian Mannix is. Hang on, hang on. Let me go back and play the Deathalyzer to you. And when the poor bloke who, who was, you know, the president of Sanyong passed away, you were you were in there with your boots on, Fine. So don't start. Don't forget about Kim Suck One. Correct. Yeah, yeah I, I was polite enough not to mention his middle name. <laughs> no, and you're not going to mention it now because you're, <laughs> you're, you're going to give us your number two film, you pain in the ass. Okay. No, that's Barbara Hirsch. Now, okay, number two it is Meg Ryan. Favorite comedies of all time. Uh, and it just happened to be set at a golf course. So rather oh, yes. than rather than give you the movie, I'll give you my favourite scene. Okay. Wang, I think this place is restricted, so don't tell them you're Jewish. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, my name's Al Cherving. This is my <coughs> friend Wang. I'll have three of those, two of those, and give me a packet of those naked lady tees. Well, what do you get when you buy a hat like that? Do you get a free bowl of soup with it? It <laughs> looks good on you, of course. <laughs> Fifty dollars, you slice into the woods, sir. The betting is illegal at Bushwood, and I never slide. You can owe me. God, I love Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield, of course, he is. He is very, very good. Very, very funny. I I think they're all really good at that. It's a bit of an ensemble piece, but um, is it Ted Knight? Oh, yeah. Ted Knight as, as Judge <laughs> Smales is so funny. Oh, he's great. <laughs> Danny, Danny, I've sent boys younger than you to the electric chair. Didn't want to do it, thought I owed it to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's often, it's often, uh, uh, they're forgotten a lot when people talk about that film. Of course, Caddyshack, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, such, it's such a good movie. It is. It's a great film. I mean, I mean, Chevy Chase is brilliant in it as Ty Webb. He's he's um 
he's telling a story. He's on the putting green. He goes, he's talking to Danny, the young, the young, and that kid who played Danny, by the way, was a very, very good golfer. Apparently, you can see by the way he's following right. the club. Yep. Um, and he goes, I got a story to tell you, Danny. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I was in college. Got kicked out of college. No, no, he goes, he goes, um, I'm going to tell you a story about somebody. Somebody had a lot of potential. Yeah, he was a pretty good golfer, uh, but he ended up getting kicked out of college for uh, putting around with the dean's daughter. Do you know who that person was, Danny? And Danny's nodding all the time. Obviously, it's the story about himself. Do you know who that person was, Danny? It was my roommate, Mitch Cumstein. (laughs) (laughs) Cumstein. (laughs) <laughs> it's a great name, Cubster. I just love the whole movie. Obviously, Bill Murray's fantastic in it. Cinderella story. Yeah, Caddyshack. Loved it. Yeah, Harold Ramis yeah. has done a lot of those really good films. One one of the writers who came out of that Second City TV ensemble out of um, Chicago. He uh, he wrote that and directed that. Well, it was really good. So it was the, the National Lampoon team actually was behind it, but they hated it. Oh, really? Yeah, they it's certainly they you know, they were much keener on their vacation movies and they sort of felt that it got um hijacked by the studios, but in the end it was a huge film. Yeah, it was, it was a massive film. It was a really good film. I remember seeing it at a double feature at the Track Cinema in Turak, obviously. And that came on first. We were going to see Private Benjamin. Oh right. Yep. And that yeah. And that came on first, and me and Nobber, we laughed our guts out. It was just so hilarious. Yeah, and then great. Private Benjamin came on, and boy, that's not the support band you want to have for Private Benjamin. It just seemed tedious. You know, yeah. I didn't like Private Benjamin at all because Caddyshack was so great. So, yeah. Well, uh-huh. and I'm delighted that you picked that because it it frees me up a little bit. Yeah, good. For my, for my number two. And my, and my number two favourite sporting film, same track as Caddyshack, but since it's been said, I'm going to go for Happy Gilmore. I reckon it's just hilarious. I love that film. So do I. Shoot him a Gavin. Oh, shoot him a Gavin. Just the, the – it, 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 look, I can't even describe why. Like, he's just so aggressive. He's angry. He's a dickhead. It's Crocodile Dundee on the golf course, but with anger. Um, it's it's just a great film. I I really. It's probably Adam Sandler's best film. Oh, without that and the Wedding Singer, are his two best films. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, now, Caddyshack, uh, Caddyshack's really funny, and Happy Gilmore. I'm, I'm pl- wrapped that you both put them in. I couldn't fit them in, to be honest, but I really wanted to, but I couldn't. And they're two two films that would make most lists that I would do because I, I again. Just make me laugh. Happy Gilmore, if it's on, I can't not watch it. And Caddyshack's exactly the same. Falls into those movies where if I see two minutes of it, I'll see the whole thing. Um, my number two is is a comedy film again with a sporting theme in it, and it's a league of their own. Um, I loved it. I thought Tom Hanks was really funny. Um, Gina Davis and Laurie Petty playing the two sisters were terrific in it. Uh, Madonna's in it, and even she's good. Rosie O'Donnell's funny. Um, it's it's a, just a really good film. Tom Hanks is just superb in it, um, and it's got you know some really funny funny lines and funny scenes. And um, 
Uh, yeah, always. Again, another film where if I start to watch it, even if it's half an hour in or 40, I'll finish it. I'll watch it till the end. I can't not watch it. Great film. Well, that comes as absolutely no surprise to me, Kev, because over the years doing this show, you have mentioned that film many times. Oh, there's no crying so, in baseball. There's no yeah, crying in yeah, baseball. That's, that, and that's so, um, yeah, that's that's – he does the best impersonations, I reckon, Fanny. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> no surprise, no surprise that that's in your top five. Kid. Yeah, no, that's it. And there'll be no, no surprise what my number one is. I'm, I'll be surprised if we all don't have the same number one. But you get to start finding. I think you'll know what my number one. Oh, is. I think I know what your number one is, and I think you know what my number one is. But I'm not sure what Fanny's number one is. But I think it might be the same film. Well, I can tell you one thing: if your number one. I think I know what Brian's is. If it's a boxing movie, that wouldn't be in my top 30. No, it's a mine. It, no, 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 not a boxing film. No, because you understand boxing. Yeah, and I know that film didn't make it much sense. Um, mine, number one, look, to beat Caddyshack, it's going to have to be good because I loved Caddyshack and still do. But this is one of my favourite movies of all time. So it wins by a long way. A... It just happens to be about the great sport Aussie rules. Tick the box. So, you know, you've written a movie about, well, you've actually written a play about Australia. Ticks the box. David Williams. David Williamson. It is the magnificent movie, The Club. I mean, that is just. But I'm sorry if I'm gazumping it. Oh, no, no, no. We feel free to gazump because I'm happy to be gazumped. So, obviously, starring John Howard as, um, now I've got to get his name right here, Jeff, How- Jeff Haywood. Yep. Graham Kennedy as Ted Parker of Parker's Pies. Jack Thompson as Laurie Holden. But the man who absolutely wins, steals the steam ceiling, brilliant Frank Williams, oh. Frank Wilson. Frank Wilson. Now, I mean, this movie, now I'll tell you, these are the, why we love it, why I love it. It also features Lou Richards, Jack Dyer, Bob Davis. They're all on a, they're the commentators and on a great footy panel previewing the grand final with Scotty Palmer, Scotty Carter from The Age and Fred Cook. Oh, yes, he is too. That's right. Fred Cook in the movie is magnificent. Featuring Collingwood footballers, Dacos, Weirmouth. Renee King actually played a character called Tanko Donahue. Yeah. Slashed his ass. Um, now, interestingly, in the play and in the movie, now we all know it was set at Victoria Park with Collingwood players, but in the actual play and in the movie, except for the commentary of the grand final, the team is only ever referred to as the club or this club. Never, ever is it referred to as Collingwood. Why is that only, right? Only in the commentary of the final game is Collingwood mentioned by Lou Richards. Collingwood's well down, you know, but in the play and the actual script of the movie, of course, it's only the club. It's not a specific club, even though, of course. That's good writing, though. So yeah, that everybody can imagine. That's why I yeah. don't like using a girl's name in a in a pop song. Yeah, because yeah. it alienates all the girls that don't have the name. Sorry to interrupt. 
Yeah, so, I mean, there are a million brilliant scenes in this. It talks, it, it speaks to football back then. It's different now, but, you know, board members with, with petty petty grievances and personal records to keep. Oh, that all still of, happens. Don't worry, that still happens. All of that rang true, but, of course, it has. And you know what? When I thought about this, I actually went to get the actual quote. Very rarely in my life can I be on my own, think of something and start laughing, really laughing. I'll, I'll guarantee it's the quote I've got written down in the piece of paper that I wrote down this afternoon when I was watching it. I've got a quote from that too. It's one of the greatest lines in movies. So, of course, I'll set it up. I'm sure it's the same, but I'll set it up by explaining that Doc Riley, the club president, <laughs> over to young Jeff Hayward to find out why he's not playing good footy and Hayward, with no respect for Jock Riley, rolls him a joint and then tells him the greatest cock and bull story of all time. Now, Jock believes this story and goes back to the team manager, I think played by Jerry Connolly. Uh, Alan Castle. Oh, Alan Castle, sorry. Alan Castle. Yep. Um, and he says, well, he won't. We're getting rid of Haywood at the end of the year. He's no good. And, and the team manager goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I know something about him. He's not. <laughs> he goes, what do you know? And here's the greatest quote maybe in movie history. He's been up his mum and his legless fister and he thinks he's killed his old man. <laughs> word for word what I have written in front of me. Now, I just looked at that today and just the Australian, just how funny it is, but that Australianism, he's been up his mum and his legless sister. That's the idea of it's so funny. <laughs> and he goes, what are you talking about, Doc? I spoke to his parents yesterday. He's got an older brother. He doesn't, you know, but it's so funny. It is. It is. Uh, it is such a magical moment for for Frank Wilson uh, as an actor. That he, oh, mu he must have just adored that that role. Oh, it I was mean, just just watching him smoking the joint. He goes, "You're rolling, rolling, oh rolling, yes, I used to do them when I was young. Yeah, you're rolling, rolling, yeah." He takes one puff. He takes one puff. He goes, "You're rolling, rolling, pretty strong." <laughs> Uh, it's a well, wonderful, wonderful film. Brian, you, your turn. Well, I'm not going to need much time to take uh, to talk about my number one, but just going back to that, the star of that is the script. Um, when I was doing uh, HSC, um, the club was an option for us to review, you know, in Section C or whatever it was of um, the HSC. Yeah. So we went and saw the club at the um, at some theatre in Melbourne, um, and Maury Fields was playing Jock. Uh, Jock. And when I saw the movie, I was kind of disappointed. Um, I love it now, but it was a bit like when I saw a Rocky Horror Picture Show. After seeing the live show first, and then you see the movie, it just gets toned down a little bit but um i think it's it's an actor's dream that show because 
the words are so good. David Williamson is such a great writer, you know, um, Top Silk, Gallipoli. Um, he's terrific. And, you know, I wish we had more writers like him. So well done on that one, Finey. And you know what? You say you want to maybe sometime go out with me. Yeah, all right. What? Tell a lie. So obviously my number one sporting movie is Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4. Oh. I'm, I'm surprised Rocky's your number one movie. I love Rocky. I think it's the um, perfect example of the American dream, I guess. You know, he's got nothing, he's going nowhere, and then he gets an opportunity and he takes it. Um, and I think, I just think, you know, it happens to be about boxing, but we all love a story where, oh, they're, they're going nowhere, they're f***ed, and then they get an opportunity and they take it and then they achieve brilliance. But I think that movie does it the best and it's often used in um, script writing courses as the perfect three-act movie because the movie needs to be three acts. And that movie, it's really clear where act one stops, act two stops and act three starts, you know, and it's a, it's a brilliant piece of writing by Sylvester Stallone um, and I think the fact that he slurs and shit makes it more believable that he is an actor. Like, you know, if somebody, a young Charlton Heston was doing it, I don't think it would work as well. You know, he looks like a no-hoper and you know, he gets more sophisticated as the series goes on. But, you know, Rocky, that really changed the world, I think. You know, not as much as Enter the Dragon, but... I still love watching Rocky, and I love the character, and I love the thing. So Rocky easily is my number one yeah. sporting movie. No, good film, really good film. My number one's the club as well. I just I adored it, and that that scene I watched uh, on YouTube this afternoon about twenty minutes of just Frank Wilson highlights, just jock highlights from it. Um, hysterically funny, and that uh, the bit about the sister and the mother and the father is just the the uh, one of the ultimate lines in in any Australian film of any film I've seen, let alone an Australian film. But there's another scene in it that gets me every time when Graham Kennedy is standing with uh, with Jack Thompson's character, and they're on the sideline, uh, just just inside the the fence, and Graham Kennedy does this this choreographed routine about talking about watching Jock, uh, Jack Thompson's yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. I remember watching you as a player and you did this and you and, – and he does a whole like a like a dance routine. It's like a Gene Kelly dance routine. You, and you bought this bloke and then you sold this bloke candy and you did it. I almost bawl thinking yeah. about that, let alone every yeah. time I see it, it brings me to tears. It is – it's one of those really beautiful little moments in a film that when you when – you've if you pulled it out and just showed it to someone, they go, oh, yeah, but when you see it in the film and you're involved in footy and involved in sport and all that stuff and you see that, you just go, my God, that is that is such a brilliant piece of writing, such a, a beautifully emotive and underplayed piece of writing and so bloody brilliantly done by Graham Kennedy, who was never known as a great actor really but is a bloody good actor. He In that scene in particular, he is fantastic and – I think that scene's a really important 
plays a really important function in the movie because the, I think the whole point of the of the script is what you see at first. You go, well, this is shit. Oh, this guy's good. You know, I think the administrator seems like a good bloke, but by the end of the movie, he's an asshole. <laughs> and yeah. and you know, Graham Kennedy's character, kind of the president. You know, he's fondling the stripper and shit. And you know, it's like I think I've spoken about it before. The save the cat moment is that moment that you're talking about, where he just see his love of football, and you know, you, and then you just tolerate all the dickhead things that he's done because he just loves the game and he's not really the right guy, but he's got money and he pays because he just wants the club to be great. And it's just a really beautiful moment. And every good comedy should have a moment of pathos. As Walt Disney said, you know, for every laugh, there should be a tear. Well, you know, we've given 10 laughs to one tear, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great call, Ken. And and I've and I've met so many people who are just like the characters in that film in in in, yeah, yeah. in my time, and I'm sure you have too, Finey. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Now there is one. There's a, there's a sort of oddity in that film that I love because I like being a footy fan. I love sporting oddities. So of course they talk about um, they talk about uh, replacing um, Jack Thompson's character Holden or whatever his name was. Yeah. And the administrator goes, no, we've we've got Rostov for next year. And know, that's Barassi, isn't it? That was Haw- the Hawthorne coach was Rostov. Oh, another bit of trivia, in the grand final, one of Jack Thompson's assistant coaches is Tom Hafey, who was coach of Collins. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, Rostov's played by some Aussie actor. Always had but what, wasn't but, the character of Rostov based on Barassi? Based on Barassi, Barassi. Yeah, 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 correct. Yeah. You know, and Jack Jones says, Rostov works his players like animals. <laughs> you know, but but they show when Collingwood or the club, sorry, is at their lowest ebb, they get beaten by Hawthorne. And they follow, you know, Hawthorne run off the ground, winners, and you see everybody booing young Jeff Haywood. And he just goes into the Hawthorne rooms for a second and they're singing the Hawthorne club song. Do you remember that? No, I don't. No. The oddity is that it's not the Hawthorne club song. And they're all the Hawthorne players in there, so they've got them to act this out. There's, you know, Dipper and this and that. But they're singing, do you know what song they sing? Is it the Melbourne theme song? No. Sons of the Hawthorne. Oh, really? Where the brown and gold. Well, thank God it was your boyfriend's back. But no, no, settle, settle, Brian, because this is really interesting. The actual song Sons of the Sea, as sung by the Bulldogs, leaves out part of the song, but the Hawthorne team sings it. Do you know what that part of Sons of the Sea is or Sons of the Scrape? No, not off the top of my head, no. But that song should be Sons of the Scrape. The red, the white, and blue. Well, da 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 da. I always see it through. And then, but then they go, um, because the sons of the sea, um, bobbing up and down as we go, as we go, as we go. 
and that part of the song is actually sung by Hawthorne. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll have to have a look at that. But this bit, and they all bob up and down. That's part of the song. But there's a little bit of trivia for you. There you go. Oh, it's clear to see that you enjoy every single moment in that movie. I, yeah. It certainly wasn't a highlight for me. I, it doesn't beat Jock saying, <laughs> Little Bluey Patterson. And a heart as big as a bloody pumpkin. But <laughs> <laughs> remember that they remember Jock Riley kicking a player in the head when he was, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, he was the dirtiest player. I was at the height of the fence. Yeah. I saw you. It was a Carlton player, a South Melbourne player. He kicked him in the head. Yeah. You waited till he was just about hitting the ground before yeah. you sunk the boot in. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great. It's yes. it's so good. And and Jock and Jock stand there. Anyone who hits his, you know, hits women, he's terrible. And and uh, Jack Thompson playing pool, saying, "Jock, for someone who's given his wife as many black eyes as you have." Um, yeah. yeah. What was his reply? Well, oh yeah, he told the story. He, he told the story of when he came home from the grand final and he'd been thrashed. His wife's yes. His wife said something. He belted her. And he said, uh, "She she apologised later, but the damage yeah. was done." Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, <laughs> how's that for a line? Okay, you cost us the fifty-four or forty-five grand final or something like that. You got massacred that day. <laughs> Don't think I forgot. Oh. I went home. The missus said, yeah, "That is a great line." Yeah. I built it up. She apologised, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I mean, things are right. Roddy, that's it. Oh, right. well, exactly, yeah. No, David Williamson, uh, congratulations to him and, uh, and Sylvester Stallone for his, his script as well. That's it, boys. Uh, that was good fun. Now, Brian, you uh, you have the uh, the uh, job to uh, send Finey and I a message about what the top five will be next week that we'll um, we'll have a crack at. Well. No, no, save it. Just save it. Don't, don't do it now. Just just have a think about it. And something I've got something very special, Kev. So I'll let you know during the week. And well, why don't um, we do? Why don't we do five best Essendon players this? We'll do the top <laughs> Essendon players this year, but instead of a top five, we'll do a top two. Now you're just being, <laughs> yeah, you're just being silly, Connie. You be ridiculous. <laughs> He's just slapping you because he Essendon can. Players, I reckon I might freaking almost can. Yeah, no. You know. Now, so, Brian, uh, Brian, apologise to Finey. The damage might already be done, but just apologise to Finey. <laughs> I apologise, Finey. I'm not sure what for, but um, I apologise. Yeah, no, so you should. Uh, that's it, boys. We'll uh, we'll adjourn till next week. Uh, have a good uh, tattoo session tomorrow, Finey. Enjoy that, if you can. Oh, there's nothing better than three or four hours under the tattooist needle. Beautiful. Yeah, I've, I've always said that. Uh, Brian, uh, just look after yourself. Behave. How did the Tarak show finish? The Tarak Show. Goodbye to you. See you on next week. Well, yeah, I started with Joffa Boy, so I might as well finish that way. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Finey. This has been fun. Been the highlight of my day, actually. Good night. Yeah. Uh, good afternoon. Good morning or good evening, whatever they said in the Truman Show. Uh, till next week. See ya. See ya, boys. I remember the back. I remember the Peter saw the Tarak Show. That's we. You zigged when you should have zagged. No, no, don't. No, let's not go there. <laughs> bye bye. See ya. Bye bye, boys. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs>